Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you, God, for your goodness in our life, Lord. We thank you, God, for uh, your provision and your word. Uh, your word fills us, Lord. Your word satisfies us, God. It impacts our life. And I pray, God, that today we may hear your voice, Lord, and that we may hear your word, which is life to our, to our bones, life to our situation. I pray, God, that you would uh, impart life into each person here, God, that you would take out all that is dead, all that is um, destroying our lives, and that your word may impact us, Father God, and transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to John 11. We're going to the part in the Bible where Martha, the sister of Lazarus, um, or Martha, her brother, was, uh, was about to die. And uh, she was calling out for Jesus to come out. And um, in, uh, he, he came, uh, Jesus showed up in the scene, uh, not when Martha expected it, but came, as the Bible says, four days after he died. And that's what we're, we're reading here. And it's such a powerful and impacting story. Uh, John chapter 11, verse 17. And um, it says that when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. This was, this was Lazarus. He was already in the tomb four days. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And so in verse uh, 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha just didn't get what he was trying to say. And so she was thinking of um, that, she, that he will rise in the last day. And he was talking about rising today. And so Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And I want you to pay attention to this. He says, whoever believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe in the Lord? Do you believe in his promises for your life? And that's the question that he has for you today. Do you believe who he says he is? And do you believe the mission that he wants to accomplish in your life? And so Martha's response to this is, yes, Lord. Verse 27, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And that needs to be our response. When the Lord asks us if we trust in him, do you believe and trust in him wholeheartedly? Our answer needs to be, Lord, yes, I believe in you. And that's the title of today's message is, yes, I believe. Everybody say that. Yes, I believe. Yes, I believe. Do you believe 
where it says in Isaiah 41.10, where it says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you believe that? That's a promise of the Lord for your life. And the Lord is asking you if you believe that. And your answer to God's promises should be yes and amen. Should be yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you're with me. I believe that you're with me when I'm all alone. I believe that you're with me, that you're with me when, I'm, when, I'm, when I have a broken heart. I believe that you're with me when people reject me. Philippians 4, 7. Do you believe that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus? Do you believe that? You need to believe that, not just with your voice, not just with confessing it, which is huge to confess it, but believe it in your heart. And so you need to believe it with your life. You need to believe it with your actions, with your thoughts, that I believe that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, is going to be with me to guard me, guard my heart through Christ Jesus. And I've seen people go through the roughest times in their life, Destruction occur right before their eyes. And I've seen a peace that just surpasses all understanding. Our understanding means I don't get it. It's a peace that I just don't understand. It doesn't make sense to our intellect. But it makes sense to the Lord because the Lord is the one that provides it. It's supernatural. It's a supernatural peace. And it's there for the righteous. It's there for those who follow him and keep his commandments. It's for those that truly declare, yes, I believe that. John 14, 13. Do we believe that whatever you ask in Jesus' name, that he will do it? Do you really believe that? Can you really declare, or do you say, or do you pray in Jesus' name, yet you have some doubt in you that the Lord will do it? Whatever you ask, in my name, in Jesus' name, I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. He's asking you today, will you believe? Yes, Lord, I believe. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me. Do you believe that when you call to him, he's going to answer you? And that he's going to show you great and mighty things. It says even things you do not even know. If you cry out to God, you need to believe that he's going to show you great things and things he has that he hasn't even revealed to you yet. Things you do not even know. God will, I always tell my kids, God's going to bless your socks off. He's got so much in store for you. You have no idea. One of our favorite verses, Philippians 4.19. Do you believe that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Do you believe that? Do you believe that when your checkbook just doesn't balance or, or your numbers just don't make sense, that God is your provider, that he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory? God is able to do it. 
Maybe we don't, maybe we don't get it. But that's why the Lord tells us to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. And don't lean on our own understanding, on our own intellect. Trust in him. That he's going to supply all your needs. He's our provider. I remember, I have a company and I remember um, getting rid of uh, one of my employees. I've had to, I love hiring people. It's one of the best things to do. I mean, it's the most rewarding thing, you know, giving people jobs. Um, I've had people you know, so excited on the phone, um, and they're like, I can't wait to meet you. I'm going to work so hard for your company and all that. It's, there's nothing more rewarding than that in my company but to give people jobs. But then when it comes to firing them, that's the worst part, but you got to do it. And it's hard because you get emotional, you feel bad, but, you know, to be a good businessman, you can't go with your emotions. You got to make good business decisions. And so I've had to get rid of people in the, in the, in the past, and I've had people cry in my office when I got rid of them. People that say, I don't even know what I'm going to do when I get home and I have to tell my, my wife, I don't know if I should just go home and tell, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen. And I told him, look, man, I'm not your provider. I'm the Lord's your provider. Don't trust in my paycheck. Trust in the Lord. He's going to supply all your needs. You just need to believe. You need to believe and follow him. And the Lord will bless you. The Lord will take care of you. Not me, I'm sorry. I couldn't take, as of this day, I can't take care of you anymore. But I'll tell you who can and who will if you trust in him and believe in him. Let's go to 2 Timothy. Before we do, uh, is, yeah, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. You know, I've seen the Lord uh, provide our every need in our life. And... Um, We've lived, we've lived in our house, uh, we've been married for 18 years, and for 17 years we lived in a house that we purchased, and it was a 3-2, and we loved that house. It was, uh, it, it, we, we had so many good memories there. We had so many, uh, we've had youth go to that house. Um, but the house started to be, get a little tight for us. Uh, we've got uh, three boys and a girl, we've got four kids, and um, the, the kids started to grow a little bit and especially some a little bit bigger than others, um, Brian's feet started to come out of the bed. And, and so I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even fit a bigger bed in that room. I had the three boys in one room. The princess had her own room. And, um, and it started getting a bit tight in there. And we were, we were content with what we had. We love our house. And we had great memories, like I said. We had youth come over our house. I don't know how in the world we fit sometimes 60, 70 people in our house. But we did. We had people in every area of the house. Um, we even had a, when we had football games, we had an overflow room where I just grabbed the TV from my bedroom and I put it in the living room and I just had everybody around the house. Um, and the Lord knew our desire that we would uh, one day be able to move, but it wasn't the right time. And we waited two years. We could have made so many decisions on our own. But waiting on the Lord was what the Lord wanted in our life. And uh, waiting on it meant that two years later, the house that we live in today, we're not paying a penny more. And we've got almost double the size of our house. And it was all because we waited on the Lord and we knew that he would supply all our very need. And so... It's important that our needs are not based on what we just, Lord, this is what I want because it's for our gain, but it's to give glory to God. And our house is for that. We, when we had our first get together and we had several of them, I mean, we have, we have like the biggest party in the block now. 
Um, and, we, and we didn't even want to put it in the backyard. We brought everybody to the front yard. We wanted everybody to know um, what we were about. And we had about like 25 kids running in front of the house. And we've got the room for it now. And so God's good and uh, he's been good to us. And so God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He's the owner of all riches. He's the owner of all gold and silver. And so you need to trust in him. So let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, this is uh, Paul. He's writing this while he's in prison. And he's writing this letter to Timothy. And I want you to, to, to hear this out because it's impacting. Sometimes we just, we take the word for granted and we're just reading it. But to know the background of what's being written here will impact you. To know that Paul, being in prison, is writing this. If I was in prison, I think I'm going to be for real. I'd probably be whining. I'd be fussing. And then, you know, when am I going to get out of here? But Paul here was writing an encouragement to Timothy. How can somebody in prison be an encouraging encouragement to somebody else. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, look what he writes to Timothy. It says, for this reason, I also suffer. He's like, listen, I'm suffering here where I'm at. I'm being, I'm, I'm being locked up in chains. I'm, I've been beaten in prison. Um, it's not like the prisons that you see today. They're a lot worse. But he says, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. No matter what, I'm not ashamed. I might be suffering, but I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. Say, I know who I'm, I have believed. Say that. I know whom I have believed in. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until this day. How do you get so much confidence in what you believe? That even when your circumstances say one thing and God's character says another, you begin to question God and who he is. Our circumstances, like Paul where he was suffering and our circumstances say one thing and we sometimes dwell on the circumstances to define who God is. But God wants us to dwell on who God's character is so that he can define our circumstances. Because when you believe in God, he'll tell you how little your circumstances are according to how big God is. So don't interpret God's character through your circumstances. Start interpreting your circumstances through God's character. And even when I don't know what God is doing in my life, I know who he is. He's my confidence. And my confidence is not in my circumstance. It's in my understanding of who God is. My confidence is in God alone. He's right here. Paul is saying he's right here in this prison with me. He's right here in this sickness with me. He's right here in my brokenness with me. So therefore, I'm not ashamed to say this. I'm not afraid. Kill me if you want to kill me. If you let me live, I'm going to keep on preaching. Because I know whom I've believed in. 
Yes, I believe. I know what I believe. I walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, I believe. But unfortunately, many of us have heard the voice of the devil, have heard the voice of the enemy, and have been lied to. And in the garden, when Adam and Eve were there, they were told, they were commanded not to eat from the tree of knowledge. And the Lord commanded the man not to do that. You can eat from everywhere else, but not this. And that was his command. And as you know, Adam and Eve rebelled from that. And they made their own decision. And so in this verse, we find them here when they were hiding from the Lord. In Genesis 3 verse 9. Then the Lord called, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? I love sharing this verse and I've shared this with the youth, I've shared this with the church. But it's a good verse to remind you and ask you, where are you in your walk with the Lord? Where are you? Examine yourself. Are you where God wants you to be? Or are you hiding in shame when God asks you that question? Are you hiding in shame with your sin when God asks you that question? Where are you? Verse 10. And so Adam said, I, I heard your voice in the garden and, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Verse 11. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Who lied to you? Who told you that? Who told you that this addiction is never going to break in your life? But you need to know that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Who told that young person that you're not beautiful? You're fearfully and wonderfully made, the Lord tells you. What voice are you listening to? Who told you that you're not intelligent, that you're dumb? You have the mind of Christ, the Bible says. Who told you that you will not be successful? The Lord says and promises you that he's got plans for you to prosper, not to harm you, but to give you a hope, to give you a future. Yes, Lord, I believe that. I believe that as a promise for my life, that though my circumstance today may not make sense, I know that my future is secure in you. I know that the plans you have for me are to prosper me. They're not to bring me harm. I know that you always end everything in a good note. But who told you that? Who lied to you? We're listening to these voices in our life. Who told you that you're not loved? But the Lord said, I love you so much that I lay down my life for you. Who told you you can't fix your marriage? For God, all things are possible. And we've seen that time and time again, all around us. The devil is a liar. And he's come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And you need to say to that serpent, get out of my garden. Get out of my life. Get out of my home. 
Stop feeding lies to my wife. Stop feeding lies, uh, lies to my children. Get out of my life. Take them out. See, the devil's a crafty and deceitful. He's crafty and deceitful. He's the, the Bible says he's the father of all lies. So if it's a lie, it comes from him. Because God doesn't lie. If it's truth, it's God. If it's a lie, it's from the enemy. We need to overpower those lies with the promises of God. First Peter chapter 5. Verse 7. Let's go to verse 6. 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 6. All right, so it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Verse 7. Cast all your anxiety. Everybody say all. All, all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Many of us have believed the lie of anxiety. Many of us have believed the lie of worry in our life. Many have believed the lie of depression in our life. But the Lord says he cares for you. And he's saying to cast all your anxiety on him because he loves you. Because he cares for you. Be alert, verse 8, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. See, that's his plan. His plan is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And he's looking around his people. He's not just attacking preachers and, and worship leaders. He's attacking anyone he can devour. He wants to destroy the purposes of your life. And he goes around like a roaring lion, looking for anybody he can eat alive, looking for a family he can tear apart, looking for a future he can ruin before it has a chance to even get started. He's looking for a church he can divide. He's looking for an addiction he can plant in that young 14-year-old so that he grows up not living a normal adult life. When you... When we're faced with a roaring lion, our first instinct is to run. I run when I see a dog. So imagine a roaring lion. I've been scared of barking dogs that will come running at me. I'm sorry. I just run. It's what I've always done as a kid. And when I see a roaring lion, you bet I'm going to run. And that's our first instinct. That's everyone's first instinct. If not, you're a little crazy not to run. But we're challenged in verse 9 to resist him, not to run. It says resist him. Resist the devil. Standing firm in the faith. You're not a coward. You're not a fool. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So we're not, we're not Christians all around the world just running away from the devil. We're going to resist him. We're going to stand firm. 
Firm in the faith. Firm in what we believe. How can we resist a roaring lion? You say, that's impossible. I got to run. That's the first thing I got to do. I'm running for my life. Or in verse 6, if we go back, it told us to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Under his hand of protection. Under his hand of provision for our life. You see, many people just want to do, leave that, leave that six there. But many people want to do what verse 7 says, that says, cast your anxieties upon him. That's easy. Lord, just take my anxiety away. Lord, take my, my worry away. Take this away, Lord. But you got to take this all into context. This tells you to cast, not just cast all your anxiety on him. Verse 6 it says to humble yourself. What's the opposite of that? Pride. Pride gets in the way. Pride gets in the way. And the Lord's hand can't protect us when we're in the way. When we want what we want. The Lord can't deliver us from anxiety. And the root of that is pride. The root of that is us. And so the Bible tells us that he wants to help you to cast it on to him. But before you do that, you need to humble yourself. You need to say, Lord, here I am. You need to humble yourself and, and submit to the word of God. God, what is it you want from my life? This isn't just one day. The Lord may not deliver you in one day from your anxieties and worries and depression. It's got to be a lifestyle where you are continually humbling yourself according to this word, according to his command for your life, living in obedience and knowing and believing that what you've been told all these years is a lie. Anxiety is a lie. You need to know that. Depression is a lie. Fear is a lie. You need to declare that and say, devil, you're a liar. And say, Lord, I'm going to humble myself under your mighty hand so that you may lift me up in due time. And in due time, the Lord's going to release you from that. And you say, it's, it's impossible, but for God, all things are possible. See, I'm not capable of doing that for you in your life, but God is. His mighty hand is. You know why? Because I believe his promises. That's why we, lay, we, we call today's title, Yes, I Believe. I believe that his mighty hand can deliver us. And it ain't just some cute words to say. Yes, I believe, Lord. No, I really believe. You really got to believe it. You really got to know it. There can't be a room for doubt in there. And it says in due time, don't lose heart. He's going to deliver you from that. The center of your anxiety is your pride. But you got to say in due time, anxiety stops here, depression stops here, fear stops here. Verse 10. Let's go to verse 10. And the God of all grace... Who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while. After you've suffered a little while. Will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You say, Lord, I believe that. 
I believe that you'll make me strong. I believe that you'll make me firm so that there's no devil, no roaring lion that will come my way and roar at me. I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to know that my faith is secure. I'm going to be steadfast. You need to know that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. Let's not doubt that. Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1 where Paul was writing this. Verse 12. 2 Timothy 1, 2 Timothy 1, 12. Yeah, there it is. It says, for this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that what I have committed to him until that day. Verse 13. Hold fast the pattern of sound words. Hold fast the pattern of wisdom for your life. See, the first thing that we need to have is we need to believe. He says, I know whom I have believed. And he says, he is able. You need to know that he is able to do exceedingly above all that we can ever imagine or think or ask. But it's not just believing it. It's holding fast to God's pattern for your life. Everything is in this book. I was telling the discipleship this Friday that every answer of life is in this book. If I need to know how to deal with my marriage, it's in here. If I need to know how to deal with my finances and my business, it's here. Anything, everything, it's complete. It's a pattern to follow. And Timothy, and Paul is telling Timothy, hold fast to the pattern of wisdom for your life, which you've heard from me, which you're hearing today. This morning, in faith and love, which you are in Christ Jesus, you need to believe, you need to hold on to the pattern. Verse 14, so you need to believe, you need to follow the pattern. And verse 14, that good, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. But in order for the Holy Spirit to lead you in your life, you need to believe first. Then you need to hold on to his truth and trust in him. Lord, I'm going to trust in you with this. If this is, the word says that this word is a lamp to our feet. And if it's going to light my path and I'm going to go wherever it tells me, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. And so if you're going to believe what this word says, I'm telling you, there is an incredible blessing behind that. And say, Lord, as I'm walking in your word, I pray that your spirit may lead me, that dwells in us, may lead me. The Holy Spirit is there to guide you. The Holy Spirit is there to convict you. There are times where you don't even have your book open. But I'm at a crossroad and the spirit will reveal to me and say, that isn't from the Lord. And I'll have this conviction upon my life. And I got to be obedient to that spirit or not. 
and you want to get to your walk where the Holy Spirit is guiding you, He's always going to guide you according to the pattern that is set before you. The Lord never contradicts Himself. But as you walk, you want the Spirit of God to be with you. You want the Spirit of God to be in your, in your home. You want the Spirit of God to be in your workplace. Everybody say, yes, I believe. Yes, I believe. Amen. Believe that. Believe it for your life. Today is uh, Palm Sunday. And um, it's a day we celebrate the, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And um, he was riding on a donkey into Jerusalem while the people were waving um, palm branches and, um, and they were shouting Hosanna. And the word Hosanna means God who saves. And this was a week before his death and resurrection which is next week, by the way, so make sure you invite people. It's Easter Sunday. This house should be packed, and it always is packed. Invite somebody next week. But Hosanna, which means God who saves. He's the God who saves you from all addiction. He's the God who saves you from all anxiety. He's a God that saves you from all bondage, saves your life. He's the God that saves your marriage. He's the God that saves your family. Hosanna, the God who saves. That's what he came into this world for, to save your life, to set it free. But he didn't want to just come to be your savior. He wanted to be your Lord. And everybody wants him to be savior. Lord, save me from this. Save me from addiction. Save me from all this. I want to live a good life. I just want to relax. But he wants to be Lord over your life. And Lord means it's not what I want anymore. What do you want from me? According to his word. He says, this is my will, that you would love me, that you would love your neighbor as yourself, that you would serve other people. What those men were doing at intense, serving other people, that's the calling of God of our life, that it's just normal for them. He's Lord of our life, and we're, we are submitted to whatever the Lord wants in our life. Let's go to John chapter 14, verse 27. Do you believe when the Lord says, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's God's promise for you. Isaiah 40, verse 29. Do you believe that he gives power to the weak? Do you really believe that? That to those who have no might, he increases their strength. You know how the Lord gives us strength? The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And you want the joy of the Lord. The Lord gives you that joy. It isn't happiness. Happiness is a cheap joy. 
Joy is something unexplainable. The joy of the Lord. I can't even define it. Sorry. It's just with me wherever I go. It's up in the mountaintop and it's down in the valley. And because of the joy of the Lord, and because the joy of the Lord is my strength, I can go through that valley. I can't explain it. There's a song that says, it's a joy that's unspeakable. It's just, I can't explain it. It's unexplainable. It's the joy of the Lord. And with that joy, it's your strength to go through it. And then he gives you that peace that surpasses all understanding. I don't get it either. I don't, it's, it's beyond our understanding. It's something supernatural. And it begins with, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe in the joy of the Lord. So he gives power to the weak. And those who have no might, those who have no strength, those who they consider themselves weak, that I can't go through that. I can't go through what this person went through. He says he gives you strength. He'll give you his joy. His joy, the Bible says, comes in the morning. Verse 30. It says, even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. I believe that. I believe, Lord, that if we wait upon you and we wait patiently for you, you're going to renew our strength. Because sometimes we grow weary. We grow tired. We need to be renewed of our strength. This isn't an easy walk. It isn't a perfect walk. So, Lord, we need to constantly be waiting on the Lord. Lord, renew us. Strengthen us so that we can mount up with wings like eagles above those valleys and says, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Listen, this, this verse is not just put here so that you can enjoy and say, wow, that's just so refreshing. No, it's for reality for your life. This is so that everything written in here is for, so that it becomes a reality in your life. Right. It would be religious to just read this and say, amen. It would be a reality when this becomes truth in our life. And when you believe in it and you follow it, it becomes a reality in your life. In your weakness, the Lord will give you strength. You say, Lord, I can't wait anymore. I can't wait anymore. Those who wait on the Lord are, going, are the ones that are going to have that strength to keep on waiting. God's promises are for us to give him glory. They're not just for what I want, what I want, what I want. You see, the promise of God saying, cast your anxiety upon me, cast your addictions upon me, lay your cares at my feet. Those are not for our gain. Even though he's a good God and he's going to give us so much and he wants to give it because the Bible says he cares for you, but they aren't for your gain. They're to give him glory so that you can go through what you go through and share that with others. And share the goodness of God. How God was good in your life. And the change that the Lord has made. And the peace that he gave you. And the joy that he gave you. The strength that he gave you. To endure what you've endured. That's your story. 2 Corinthians 1. Verse 20. For all the promises. Everybody say all. It's not 50%. All means 100%. All the promises of God in him are yes 
and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. The promises of God that are written in this book are yes and amen. And they're to be declared. They're to be fulfilled. He's not a liar. The devil is a liar. But the Lord's promises are truth. When he says that that all things are possible in him, they are. For what purpose? To give him glory. Lord, I want that Corvette. Lord, I want that mansion. I want a million dollars. See, those are things that we want for our gain. Are they there to give him glory? I'm not saying he can't give you a Corvette. He can. You better give him glory with it. You better pick up everybody you can in that one-seater, two-seater car (laughs) and take them to church. Therefore, you forgive you glory. If not, he'll take it away. He gives and he takes away. Let's have the musicians come up. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28. The Lord wants your faith. Everybody say faith. Faith. And the Lord wants your obedience. Say obedience. Obedience. Those are two different things. That's faith with works. Because the Bible says faith without works is dead. It's just no good. So it's no good. It's not enough just to say, yes, I believe. That's faith. And that's half the battle. That's hard to really, 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 really believe it. But we need to put that faith into action. That's obedience. That's saying, I'm going to live this. That's the difference between saying, Lord, you're my Savior, and you are my Lord. Savior, I believe. Save me, Lord. When you say you call him Lord, he's going to govern your life. He's going to tell you, I want you to go this way. No, Lord, I want to go that way. No, I want you to go this way. Okay, Lord. That's obedience. And Deuteronomy 28. It says, Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. If you diligently obey the voice, if you continually obey the voice of God in your life to observe carefully all his commandments, all his promises, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And it says in verse 2, super powerful, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. There is blessing when you're obedient to God. Let's keep reading. Blessed shall be Blessed you shall be in the city. Blessed you shall be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your, of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be when you come in and blessed shall be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face they shall come against you one way and flee before you seven ways the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses in your finances in all to which you set your hand 
And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you, that land of Beulah, that land of promise for your life. He will bless you. He says he, he will establish you as a holy people. That's his calling. He wants to establish you as a holy people. You know what holy means? To be set apart, to be different. He doesn't want you to be like this world. He wants you to be different. He says, then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you and the Lord will grant you plenty of goods and the fruit of your body. Those are the blessings of obedience for your life. And I encourage you to read the next part on your own where it talks about the curses of disobedience. And it says the same exact thing, but the opposite. Where cursed will be your storehouse, cursed will be your city, your family, because you disobey. Because you heard the sayings of Christ but didn't do them. You got to be the wise man that built his house on the rock. You got to believe. You got to say, yes, Lord, I believe. And you got to be obedient. You got to believe in his word and follow it. You know why I believe? And I end with this. You know why I believe? I believe because of what Psalm 40 verse 1 says. Because he heard my cry and he gave me purpose. That's why I believe. Because I knew my life, how I lived it. I knew the pit that I was in, and I know that he rescued me. And I love him because he first loved me. I serve him because he first served me. I want to lay down my life for him because he laid that down for me. And it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I was calling out, I was crying out, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. There's a God in heaven who wants to hear your cry. No matter of what your situation is, he wants you to come just as you are. Verse 2. And this is why I believe. Because he brought me out of that horrible pit. Out of the miry clay. He pulled me out. I was asking for help. Lord, rescue me. He pulled me out of that horrible pit in my life. And he set my feet upon a rock. Now my life was firm. Now my life was certain. And he established my steps because before my steps were just wild all over the place. Now he set my feet and he established my steps where they would go. Verse 3. And he's put a new song in my mouth. I didn't have no longer garbage coming out of my, my mouth. Now, praises started to come out of my mouth. No more cursing. Praises started to come out of my mouth. The promises of God started to come out of my mouth. I started to say, thank you, Jesus. I started to pray. It says, praise to our God. And then it says, many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. And that happened in my life when people saw my life and what the Lord took me out of. People saw it, and they feared. They said, I better get my life in order. Because if God can take a mess like Kenny and set him right and set his feet right, then I need to trust in the Lord too. 
And that's what the Lord wants to do. And that's why I believe. Because of what the Lord did in my life. And that's what the Lord can do in your life. Let's stand. The Lord says, everyone listen to this. The Lord says, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe that he died and rose again, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth, it's so important to confess. There's power in confession. And it's so important to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. If you've never prayed that prayer, if you've never confessed that with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, will you there, right where you're at, raise your hand to the Lord? Amen. Praise God. Anybody else that wants to confess that to the Lord, right where you're at? Don't worry, I'm not going to call you up here. It's between you and God. God wants you to confess him as Lord of your life. Let's pray. Father, I ask you into my life. Say that to him. I ask you into my life. Tell the Lord, Lord, I know you died for me. Tell him with all sincerity, Lord, I believe in you. I believe in the sacrifice that you did for me. I know you died on the cross for me. I come to you just as I am. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for living wrong, for doing what I wanted to do. From this day forward, I want to live for you. I want to serve you. Do a work in my life. Tell them, do a work in my family's life. In Jesus' name, can we worship the Lord today? Can there be true worship that comes out of our heart and not just sing a song? Can there be a, like that verse that we just said, that there's a song, there's, a, there's praise that comes out of our heart. And the only way praise comes out of our heart is only if you've had an encounter with Jesus. And if the Lord saved you, Praise will just come out of your mouth. You will, you will praise the Lord with hallelujah. You will praise the Lord with thanksgiving and praise. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing this song to the Lord and let's worship him right where you're at. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
right there where you're at, if, if today this word is blessed for you and you have something that you're bound to, whether it was anxiety, depression, worry in your life, maybe it's an addiction in your life, maybe it's a marriage, separation, whatever it is. If this was for you right where you're at, just raise your hands to the Lord. Surrender it to him. And say, Lord, I want to cast it. Tell him, you tell him, I want you. And you say what it is specifically between you and the Lord. I want to cast all whatever it is to you, Lord. Give it to him. And tell the Lord, Lord, give me a humble heart. Give me a humble heart. And, and allow your mighty hand to lift me up in due time. Father, I pray for all those that are here in this place, all those that are crying out to you, Lord. You hear our prayers. You hear our cry. We believe in you, Lord. We believe in your mighty hand. We believe that you will set us free, God. I pray that you would break all the chains of bondage, Lord. I pray that we will no longer hear the lies of the enemy, but today, Lord, that we would stand firm, stand firm on the rock, Lord, and hear your voice and hear your direction, God. Today, I pray that you would set us free from all addiction, set us free from all anxiety, all worry, all depression, all fear, all lies, all addiction, Lord. I pray that you would set free all those marriages that are in bondage, Lord, that they would be reunited, that they would be strengthened, God. Restore, God, your people. I pray that if there's any division with anybody in this place, I pray there would be forgiveness, Lord. We repent today, Lord. Forgive us, God. We need you, Lord. And we believe in you. We say, yes, I believe, Lord. I believe in you. I believe in your promises. And we trust you as Lord of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah.